Right. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of It's Lit But Is It Funny, the podcast where we tickle the feet of literature and see if we can coax it into laughing. My name is Jonathan Pinnock and I'm the author of the Mathematical Mystery Series of Comic Thrillers published by Farago Books. My guest today is the writer Nick Perring, author of such books as Not So Perfect, Beautiful Words and Beautiful Trees, as well as the forthcoming Ghost Reader. Welcome, Nick. It's lovely to be here. Hello. Hi. Well, we'll talk more about Nick's work later on, but first we're going to talk about the book he's chosen to discuss, which is The Rock from the Sky by the Canadian author John Classen. Now, this yes. can be something of a challenge, as there are, unless I've miscounted, all of 546 words in the book, including the chapter titles. And you could actually read the whole lot in less than five minutes. So this could be the shortest episode of this podcast ever. Although I think there's, there's quite a lot to talk about in it. Anyway, so Nick, what would you like to give us a quick introduction of the book and tell us what it was that made you choose it? I'll answer the second question first. I chose it uh, because that is the easier question to answer. I chose it because I thought it was funny. And that's kind of the point of, of this chat and, and your, your brilliant podcast. But it's funny in a way that I don't think we really see all that much. Mm. It's, a, it's, in essence, a picture book for grown-ups. Um, mm. And I think, you know, a, a, a wide range of ages can enjoy it and, and get something from it. But I really, really liked the subtlety of it uh, and the simplicity. Basically, it is about two animals who um, are discussing where they like to stand, which I think is a, a really fun <laughs> concept. And I'm not sure if it's the sort of thing you could do over the course of a whole novel. But the way that John Classen does it, and I'm a massive, massive John Classen fan. All of his books are very funny and all of them have got this really good really succinct, really subtle way of making you laugh, either through the situation that the characters find themselves in or through tiny little differences in their illustrations. Mm. So the, these two animals are talking about where they can stand and which spot's better, and then one goes to another spot and finds that he prefers it or she prefers it. I don't think we know the gender. Um, no, we don't. <laughs> and then the first funny thing, I think, is that he's telling him how good this spot is or her how good this spot is, and he can't hear or she can't hear because he's mm. a little bit too far away. But then it gets into uh, the, almost a philosophical time travel sort of thing where they're looking at this image of these spots in the future and kind of wondering how it's going to look and what the world's going to be like in the future. All the while, this rock's coming down from the sky, this asteroid or meteor or whatever you call it, which does land with funny consequences. I think it's, it, it's yeah, it, it's a funny thing. And the, I mean, the cool thing with this is, and it is difficult to talk about with just our voices without any kind of picture things, is that most of the comedy is from those illustrations. Yes. But yeah, I like this idea of, you know, this imagined future actually manifesting and, and being true with, with, I think, the very, very funny results. But also, I think it, it does quite, in, like all good literature or good art, it makes us question things, doesn't it? And it makes us look at our own lives and think, well, are we right standing still? Because there's a part in the book where uh, one of the characters moves 
which is very fortunate because if he didn't, he would have been squashed by this big meteor meteorite coming down. And I think, yeah, it, it gets us to do that good thing where we, we question where we're going and what our own futures look like. There's some lovely comic timing in it as well, isn't it? Like the, yeah. the, the, the first, I mean, the arrival of, of, of the rock is, is foreshadowed. And you, yeah. you sort of, every now and then you see a picture of it falling. I think it does, yeah. does it happen a couple of times or just the once. I'm not sure. Maybe a couple of times. And mm-hmm. you know it's going to fall at some point. Yeah. And then, put it, I want to put, put, we should have put a spoiler on it. <laughs> but we, can have a, we can have a slight we can have a spoiler, can't Slight we? spoiler. I think it, it actually happens again at the end. But yeah. this time it's not foreshadowed. <laughs> it's, that, that's very clever because we know that it could happen, don't we, at yeah. that point? And, uh, it, but it happens actually in an unexpected point. Almost. Yeah. And I I think the other thing that it does really well, and I think, I mean, I'm, there are funny bits in my stories and my, and in my books, and I'm not like you, I'm I'm not naturally funny. I don't write particularly funny things. I I dispute that, but anyway, carry on. I don't don't, don't know. I don't know. I think you've got a better handle on it, but I think for me, I think the way that, the way that comedy works, and I suppose it's the, the way with, with all kind of art or all kind of literature it, the punchline is it isn't actually the point the punchline the point of the joke is saying that you get it it's it, it's that putting connecting dots isn't it it's putting two and two mm. together and then coming up with the, the funny for yourself rather than that being you know particularly in your face and I think from a psychological point of view we like feeling clever don't we as, as human beings mm. I know I certainly oh, yeah. do it doesn't happen mm. as often as it should <laughs> like it to. but I I think what he does very, very well, like you do very, very well, and any good comic writer or comedian or any situation comedy or anything like that, is it's it, it's that trusting the reader to put those two things together yeah. and go, I get it. That's funny. Mm. And it, like I say, it gives us a, a little chemical boost in our brains because, you know, we feel like we've got something, we've achieved something. Uh, and I think that that's what this book does so, so well. Is yeah. it, it is it's that like you say it's that foreshadow thing, and they kind of they instigate their own demise, don't they? Every punchline is a result of something that we can see coming, because you know we get this really really kind of full idea of who they are, and we know it's coming because it, it's it's almost inevitable. Even if it's not expected, you know, by the time we get to the punchline, we go, well, of course that was going to happen, because that's what the you know that's what happens to people like that. Um, like you say, when that, that the second one comes down, it, it's that funny repetition of it. But mm. you know, they're victims of their own demise, aren't they? And they're architects of of their own downfalls. So yeah, I, I do think that the point of comedy. I mean, you might disagree. Uh, I'd be interested to know what you think of that. That it is about the reader or the viewer or the audience coming up with that that solution themselves. Oh yeah, it's, I mean that goes back to oh god, is it Freud? It's Freud mm-hmm. in, in the jokes and relations of conscious, that sort of stuff, where it's the the haha response is very similar to the aha response. Yes. And I think it's someone else. Yeah. Something like that. And it, it, it's a very, it sets off the same sort of, goes to the same passages in your brain and gives you the same sort of, ferum, uh, ther- what's the word? Um, uh, is it a, same oh, sort of boost from I it? Know. Yeah. The, the, endorphin sort of. Endorphin, that's the word. Endorphin. I was, to, I was trying to say pheromones and I thought, no, that's not right. <laughs> they might be a side effect. <laughs> they might, it might be a side effect. <laughs> yeah. But, 
But there you go. And that's comedy there. That's funny. I did a funny. Um, it is that, <laughs> that taking a misstep and finding yourself somewhere different. That's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The unexpectedness mm. of something like that happening. I think this book is what it almost puts me in mind of that kind of 1960s comedy, which I love that Peter Cook stuff or Monty Python, where mm. it is a little bit absurd, absurd but there's, there's yeah. definitely a truth to it. One of my favorite all time things is, is Peter Cook talking about his experiences down the mine. If anybody's oh, not God, seen, yes. go and see, oh, go and find it. It is one of the funniest things about yeah. coal mining that you'll <laughs> ever, ever see in your life. But that whole thing yeah. is inevitable. And it's that, uh, it's that ignorance, I think. And we like doing that. We like laughing at people who aren't as, who don't get it like we do. And I think that's an interesting thing to, to look at, mm. you know, as far as the human condition goes, we like, uh, for better or for ill, looking down on people who make the mistakes that we we feel we're too clever to make yeah so that yeah that's what it puts me in mind of i i love his illustration style and it's mm. it's, it's, it's very minimal isn't it and yeah he's, he's beautiful and and i mean they're basically there are there are three animals aren't there because there's, there's the snake who also sort of turns up yes but the, the other terms i'm not quite sure what, well one is obviously a tortoise of some sort i don't know what What's the, the other one? I'm not sure. Is it a mole? Is it a... It could be a mole, yeah. Know. Oh, but it's, they're, it's something they're, with a hat. They're, they're all wearing hats. Yeah. The, <laughs> and, and the first two are wearing some bowler hats, and the, the snake, for some reason, is wearing a beret. But no good reason, except it looks right. It definitely looks it right. It does look right. Yeah. Aesthetically, it's cool. It comes from, I think, his first book. I think it's his first book. I can't oh, remember yeah. exactly what it's he wrote called. Is it, I want my hat back. Yeah. yeah, which is which contains the funniest punchline in the book. This this big fish is looking for his hat that the little the little fish is taken and they end up in the reed bed and he can't see it and he's determined to get this hat back. And the book ends, um, I apologize for giving it away, with just the big fish leaving <laughs> with his hat on. <laughs> Uh, and it's great. It's just a great bit of, of visual comedy. And again, that's that's us putting you know, that, that two and two together and coming up with that that funny four. But it's great. But he, uh, John Classen, I, I do this, you know, I'm sure you do as well. You, you find a writer or illustrator that you like, you, you research them. He's actually yeah. an animator. He, I think he worked for Disney. Yeah, um, and he, did, he did a YouTube video, didn't he, as well? Did he? I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I, I had a look at that today. It, it's, oh, okay. uh, it's really interesting. It's, it's a nice piece of work. Yeah. I will have a look at that. Um, yeah. No, thanks for thanks for bringing that. I did not know that myself, but so, I, I love that idea that you can that you are you know, a master of one thing, and then you can take bits from that and you know apply it to mm. something completely different. And I yeah. do love how he's done it in his own way. It doesn't feel like it's been written to order or like it's been written to follow any sort of trend, which I think, you know, is, is always a kind of temptation in writing, you know, to do what's what's popular. Mm. And I've, I've said this a million times, you know, I would rather, rather be the person that came up with something new that people wanted to to follow than, you know, write another book about wizards or, um, <laughs> or vampires, or at least do it in a, in a, in a different way, you know, bringing, yeah. um, I don't know, zombies into a piece of classical literature, for instance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I, it's certainly it's unlike any other book i've uh i've read <laughs> mm. and, and that's uh, good i, I think i, isn't I loved it, it. yeah I, no that, that, absolutely right it's, it's it's completely its own thing yeah, yeah. i want to know where do you think comedy comes from as somebody that does it does it very very well 
what do you think the formula is for it? Um, if there was a formula, I'm sure. <laughs> well, the trouble is, if if you if you if you're thinking about applying a formula, then it ends up literally being formulaic and therefore not fun anymore. There, there needs yeah. to be an element an element of surprise, and sure. it often comes from slamming together things that don't quite fit. Um, yes, like yeah, like putting um, aliens with. Um, with with Pride and Prejudice or something like that, or um, <laughs> that kind of thing, or yeah, by we... yeah, or um, let's try and think another example. A, I think a lot we, of it... we like what we like what? watching people squirm, don't we? I think yeah, I mean, we it's... like watching people feel that they're out of their depth. Yeah, and, and some of it is almost some of it. A lot of humour oddly arises out of conflict. Yeah, which is odd. When you think about it, but it, in some ways, it, the the, the humour is is a more healthy response to I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm trying to think of whether some of the humour in my current stuff is. A lot of it comes from characters who who rub up against each other in in, in entertaining ways. Yeah, um, so there's friction there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, mm. I guess I read years ago. I'm not sure how how true it is, but but I liked it when I read it that the laughter response. Is an, is an old evolutionary thing. And forgive me if, if you know this already or, or no, you've read go. it as well. That no, yeah. What happened was when we were apes, so when we were up in the trees and, and, and whatever, and you can still hear it in, in chimps and monkeys and, and all these sorts of animals now, their response to danger was a sound that is like laughing. That mm. was a, a way to alert people that, you know, there's a, I don't know, a, a leopard in the vicinity or that, that a member of your pack has, has, has fallen or stumbled or something like that. So that, I won't do the impression because it is dreadful. Um, <laughs> hear a whole, you know, a troop, whatever the, the collective noun for a bunch of monkeys is. It sounds like people laughing. You know, it's almost like canned laughter in the in, in the jungle. And we do that as a response when we see somebody falling over and then hitting their head when they get up. We naturally laugh. And mm. I think that there must be such a, a terrifically fine line between recognizing danger and being happy it isn't ourselves. <laughs> in that yeah. danger and finding something funny that, you know, that, that's obviously stayed with us for, you know, God, thousands and thousands of years. And, and, and there must be truth to that, mustn't there? Because that's a natural, it's a very natural thing. We don't make a choice to laugh, do we? Mm. We don't, we don't go, oh, that, that is a funny thing. Therefore I must laugh. It's, it's, it's in us already. Yeah. Sometimes it can, can be a little sinister. Like if you no. see, if you see a, if you're watching it, one of these uh, mafia films, mm -hmm. and one one of one of the dons is uh, is laughing too much about something, yeah. you know, something very bad is going to happen. To you. What's that? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of this one scene. Is it from Goodfellas or, or one of those ones? I can't remember. Is it where anyway, Joe I'll, Pesci's doing? His, yeah, that's that, that, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely Joe, it's definitely Joe Pesci. I'm sure it is. Yeah, but, uh, but that's yeah. an unnatural thing, isn't it? Because we mm. know it's not that funny, so we're naturally questioning yeah. what else is going on. That's the yeah, that's really interesting. Mm. Yeah, but I, I don't, I don't know what the fuck. I mean, that, 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 there's obviously a lot of theory about, and, and again, going back to the the, the Freud book which is mm -hmm. weirdly one of the dullest books I've ever read in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Analyzing why humor works. And it's, it's very, very yeah. dry and, and 
But it's not it a science, though, is it? I suppose. No, it's not. It, it's not. But it does. But it does work. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I suppose it's like saying, why is anything good? You know, like you were saying before, mm. there's no formula for these sort of things. It's yeah. even within like something as traditional as a knock knock joke. Or what do you get if you cross a, you know, with a, there's, there's a formula to that, but the, the, the funny bit is being surprised, isn't it? Yes. And, and, and taking, and taking it in a, in a direction that it hadn't quite gone before, I guess. Yeah. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? It is. And it, it, it's endlessly fascinating and that there is no, there's no simple answer to, to what makes it work and what doesn't. Um, no, but I guess that's, that's the same with most writing, isn't it? It's an intuitive it is, thing. It is, you know, we, we feel our way through it. If, if it were the case that, that then there'd be no point in writing anything new. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we want to be surprised, don't we? Either by finding out something we didn't know or seeing a situation that we're not familiar with or, you know, whatever that will be. But, you know, humor. I think humor is a strange one because it's it's one of the base human reactions or emotions, and yet there's no right or wrong way to do it. And I, I like that. You know, laughing at things that you just wouldn't expect to. They're mm. you know they're they're the ones that are, I suppose are the belly laughs, aren't they? That that unexpected. And I wonder if that's got something to do with nerves or maybe some sort of anxiety of not understanding something or mm. being fearful of of I don't know a situation that you'd rather not find yourself in because uh, I think when a big part of that right reading reading journey is empathy isn't it you know no nobody oh, watched yes. Star Wars and not thought how cool it'd be to have a lightsaber or watch Harry Potter and not thought well, what what spell would I cast so you mm. naturally want to, you're naturally going to put yourself in the in the shoes of the character that you, you're following and I suppose that investment does breed a sort of anxiety through the uncertainty of what's happening. Because if, if they find themselves in sort of, like you say, a, a situation where they're rubbing somebody up the wrong way, you'd naturally think, well, crikey, I wouldn't like to be in that situation because it could end badly. So, mm. yeah, m- maybe a part of it is is sort of worrying on somebody else's behalf. Mm. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's more to do with monkeys. <laughs> 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 yeah, we're, we're subconsciously worried about getting our tra- tails trapped in, in something. Yeah, well, the, I mean, you would do, wouldn't you? <laughs> I would. If, if I if I had a tail, I would, I would be constantly worried. I, I would, I would totally be worried about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah be wary uh, of fire doors and God, yeah, <laughs> things that close without you me without you meaning to close them. Yeah, I mean that. I'm just trying to think. That would be really interesting. Quite an interesting premise for a, for a story, wouldn't it? Someone suddenly acquires a tail and has to cope with it. Yeah, or I'm a fake sure tail, or the worry, yeah. the worry of having a tail, even though you don't have one. Because that's funny. Yes, because that, yeah. <coughs> that uh, looks then, funny well, because... Yeah, and if you think you have a tail, but everyone else knows that you haven't. I mean, could, yeah. <laughs> and that looks funny as well, doesn't it? Because, yeah. you know, somebody's is, is doing this thing or acting in a certain way or moving in a certain way that they don't <laughs> need to. That looks ridiculous. <laughs> I like, I do. We should definitely develop this. I mean, you, you could, yeah, you, you could, should you do could, that. You'd do that well. You could, you could, and, uh, it, it would it work really well as, well as sort of physical sort of theatre piece, wouldn't it? With, with, um, yeah. Like exact, somebody going exaggerated movements. Yeah, somebody going, "What are you doing?" You know, and the, yeah. the other person replying, "Well, I've got, I've got to look after my tail that I don't have, yes. <laughs> or that I might, <laughs> I might have a tail. Who knows?" Yeah, yeah. 
I, I think that's something I, I, I challenge you to pursue that. I think that would be a really fun, a really yeah. fun thing to pursue. <laughs> I might do that. I might do that. A <laughs> hundred right, ways well... to worry about and a tale that I don't have. <laughs> yeah. Or Cheeky could extend that to different animals. You know, the man with no trunk. I've got a trunk. That would be hilarious. Yeah. It's got to be some big appendage. Something, something, yeah, some definitely, I've definitely, it's definitely got to be a large appendage, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and now we're getting into the realms of, of, of um, a different sort of comedy, aren't we? Which... Well, yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why yeah. have you not zipped up your trousers? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hurt anybody um, with this thing that I don't have. I think that yeah, I think that's funny. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very funny. Yeah, that's de- it's definitely got legs. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's good. <laughs> right. Well, um, having gone off on that complete tangent there, how do we follow that? Yeah. Have we discussed John Classen enough? I think we probably. I think if we've not done them, the only thing that I would say is that I think people should definitely go out and and get it. I think the other thing that's really cool that we don't get so much as as adults is that really short hit uh, of mm. entertainment or comedy. I mean, there's flash fiction or micro fiction or whatever people call it these days, which does a really brilliant job of doing it. But I think, like you said at the beginning of of our conversation, that you can you can read that front to back in like. I don't know, under five minutes, can't you? Mm. And get a lot from it. I, I said this loads of time over the, over the years that I think a good short story should leave you with some sort of bruise. It's something that you feel after you've read it and that you're going to take with you into, you know, the coming days, weeks, months, whatever. Mm. And I think that that point, you know, distilled, you know, to, to a really, really high degree. I don't think you get that as much with novels in the same way of long no. form or <clears throat> series or or film or whatever. So, yeah, if anybody does want a very beautiful, a beautifully illustrated, beautifully put together and beautifully constructed story, John Classen's one of the main one of the main ones. And I don't think anybody does that sort of thing. Well, not that I've come across or perhaps not as well. So that's my plug, Mr. Classen, if you're listening. I hope you are. <laughs> you're a wonderful, wonderful human. Yeah. OK, let's move on to talk about uh, talk about. Yeah, I think we'll start. Tell me a bit about Ghost Reader, because that's. That's a new book coming out. It is my new book, which is exciting. It's the first book yeah. I've had out. And I was just looking before we came on since I think it was 2015, my last my wow. last book came out, yeah. which feels like a long time. I mean, it doesn't feel like a long time because I've been working mm. and I've been busy uh, with words all the way through, but it is exciting. And this was a commission, so this is a little bit different to what I've done before. I didn't write it and send it to a, a publisher and say, I beg. <laughs> 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 Um, that you publish it this was something that I was asked to do so I do a lot of working around Sheffield and they got a beautiful cemetery there and being the strange sort of person I am I love cemeteries I love people's stories there I think there's always a really nice vibe that you get through walking from you know through a cemetery mm. there's a nice peace isn't there I mean I'm not religious at all but I, I you know I think graveyards churchyards are a really cool place and what they wanted was a book set there and right. as fate has it, which and it does this strange thing, fate, doesn't it, where mm. it puts you where you need to be rather than where, you, where perhaps you want to be sometimes. I I just finished a novel, which I'm, uh, I've not done anything with at the moment, but the book after the next book was going to be, I was going to write it about an idea that I had ages ago, which happens with me a lot. I have ideas, you know, years sometimes before I actually start start writing them about evicted ghosts or homeless ghosts. And I thought, I'm going to write this. <laughs> My first book was for young people. It was for kids. And I thought, I've not really done that. 
in well since 2006 that came out and I work with young people a lot so I was going to write this story about evicted ghosts or homeless ghosts and then this this came along this commission I thought well, that's it that that is the book yeah. um I'm going to set it in and around the cemetery so the premise is basically that there's a girl called Ayala and she's cut through the cemetery one evening when she shouldn't because that's what we do uh, when we're young, we do we know better, don't we, than, mm. than anybody else? <laughs> and she's followed by a ghost who wants her help because she's forgetting who she is. And that's what is happening to all of the ghosts in and around that place because where they haunted, they've all, all those buildings have been knocked down and, you know, they're Costa Coffees now or Starbucks. So, not that I got a thing about coffee houses, but a lot of them seem to be uh, <laughs> Costa's or KFCs. And their families, they move on because we're in a we're in a different world now. To you know, to where we were thirty or forty years ago, people move cities, they move they move countries. So there's this girl, you know, sort of trailing this ghost girl, should I say, trailing Ayala, asking for help, and Ayala tells her to bugger off because it's scary. Mm. And the story is basically about her trying to find out who this person is, and and how do you do that when they don't know themselves, or you know, when 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 they're forgetting themselves so there's a bit of like day of the dead thing in there which i i think is a beautiful beautiful festival and it's the point of remembering because i think you know gone necessarily isn't lost unless you forget and if you do forget then that's it so yeah it's for nine to twelve it's fun i think there's there's definitely funny bits in there and it's i don't know it's doing what i, I always try and do like doing something differently with ghosts you know it's not not all the ghosts are scary i think We've learned that a lot from from fairy tales that sometimes the real monsters, to use that cliche, are humans <laughs> and what they want to do to these ghosts. And she enlists the help of, of her friend's granddad who's spent his life researching ghosts and maybe his intentions aren't as as honourable as Ayala's. Maybe he wants to do something else with them, but maybe he's <laughs> just scared as well. So so that's the yeah, that's the um, that's the premise and not in a really big nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds excellent. I, 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 love, I, I love the title, actually, Ghost Reader. That's nice, that. Good. We, we had, um, as, as you'll know, with, with publishers, it was never going to be called Ghost Reader until right at the end. <laughs> it was going to be something completely different, and we had that, that fun exchange, <laughs> debate, <laughs> argument, wrestling match where I wanted to call it one thing, and um, the people who were publishing were like, no, we're not quite sure, so... I did that thing, which, to be fair, I've probably done with all of my books, like right at the last minute, go through it and think, right, what what is it really? Because um, mm. titles I find really interesting. I, personally, I never have a title until I finish because <clears throat> I don't know what it is. I know other people work differently, but yeah, I like I like Ghost Reader. It's it is about mm. reading ghosts and reading headstones and and reading them, you know, in in more of a personal way. So yeah, it's it's fun. I'm proud of it. It's it, it's a good book. Mm. And that's coming out in May, is it? It's May, yeah. I'm not May, yeah, sure so on, on the on the publication date. Um, it might even be out by the time this podcast goes out because uh, I hope on the so. schedule, but, I it hope. Might, but it might well be. It might well even be out. So it might well be. I think it's going to print. <clears throat> yes, have a look available from all good retailers. It's um, I think it goes to print next week, so it, it's it's imminent. It, mm. it is coming which is good. But yeah, there are, the, the, there's funny bits. There's a bit in it, and I do like this because it doesn't happen very often where you read back through what you've written and you do laugh. Um, mm. And I think that's the that's the big test, isn't it? Oh, yeah. When, 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 even though you know what you've written, yeah, there's a bit in it where Ayala's, she, she sort of sussed it out because she, she goes back to <laughs> where she first saw this ghost 
And she's, well, I'll just read the headstone by where I saw this person. She, she, she finds it and she's reading it. And then she's disappointed because it's somebody else's and they died when they were, they were, they were a lot older. And then she hears a voice and she replies to the headstone <laughs> and she's getting very close. And she, can you hear me? And then the ghost said, what, what are you doing? That's deader than I am. You know, so I think using <laughs> that sort of that situational comedy uh, mm. isn't something that I've done very often. So you know that that was a lot of fun to do. Um, mm. I just hope other people get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so who, who are the publishers? That is published through the Sheffield General Cemetery Trust. So oh right, okay. it is them. And they've got a bunch of books out, and they're really really cool about the history of the mm. cemetery and. Because there's tons of history, as you find in any city, but, uh, you know, especially Sheffield, which is a, you know, it's a great city with great history and lots of really, really mm. interesting people there, which, you know, I'd encourage people to find out or, or find out about what happened where you are. You know, I think we're all stories, aren't we? And mm. I think it's a fun thing to find out who did what and who invented what and, you know, what kind of colourful characters were about where you live. You know, it could have been the street that you lived something really important might happen that that you might not realize so yeah i think that's a cool thing to do yeah so it is not your first book for kids is it because your first ever book was for kids, mm-hmm. 2006 i met a roman last night what did you do yeah how, how, yeah. Did, how did that happen <laughs> god i can't remember it's so long ago <laughs> um i don't know i think with writing you i think loads of people's writing journeys are kind of similar and they will try a lot of stuff out. And yeah. if we're talking about tips, if anybody wants to get into writing, I think that's really mm. important. See what works, see what you're good at. Yeah, just chuck a load of mud at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, it? see what sticks, yeah. totally. And yeah. find find out what you're good at. I mean, I'd written, I'd written short stories, which are published. I started up writing for newspapers and magazines, which which was good because that, that was what showed me that I was good enough to be paid for it. But I thought, you know, I, I do workshops, you know, or I wanted to do workshops. Maybe I didn't do workshops. I think I waited until that book was out until I started running workshops, actually. Um, but I had an idea that was that, that somebody, when they fell asleep, dreamed of, about going to different places and in history. And I thought it'd be really, really cool to... I love history. I, I, I think history and English were the only things at school that I was really into. So just trying to make that interesting for kids, which loads of people do, and loads of people do really well. But linking that to to what was on the curriculum, so you know, Jack in he, he visits somebody writing the Doomsday Book and Viking Anglo-Saxon feasts and all that kind of stuff. So just having fun with it, and that yeah, that's that's how that came about. And people liked it, which you know, which is the thing that you can never guarantee. So yeah, I mean that that does sound a long that does sound a long time ago, doesn't it? When you say it, <laughs> when we say it now, sixteen years. <laughs> Jeez, that is that is good. And like we were saying before we came on, I think there's gratitude for you know for both of us that we are still here and still doing it because mm. yeah it's it's a good thing to do yeah because it's so easy to get to a point where you think oh, i'm not getting anywhere with this let's let's pack it yeah in. and it can be a strange industry i think uh, you know mm. it's it's and i i say this a lot you know when you finish a story or a poem or a book or a script or whatever it is you're writing 90 percent of the time nobody asked you to do it right. and, you know unless you're on a you know two or three book deal or something like that nobody asked you to do that thing so it's a really strange thing isn't it to think well I've done I've just spent a year <laughs> doing this thing that nobody asked for that nobody 
might what it might even want to see now how do i get people to want to read it you know mm. in big numbers it, it it it's a strange strange thing so like i say you know to be able to still be doing it in some way and you know with with some degree of success i think i'm i'm grateful mm. so the next book after the roman one was not so perfect wasn't it which came out in 2010 yeah yeah just yeah, just still it's a lovely little book just the size basically the size, about the size of a cd case that was the point that was our mm. that was our yeah. idea we're roasting you know I had a great relationship, have a great relationship with Faye and, and everybody down at Rose Books. That was flash fiction. They were, oh, I don't like the term flash fiction. I prefer short, short story. And the idea was each story to read is about the length of the song. What Rose oh, was really great right, at doing. Okay, were, yeah. yeah. So yeah. We, we we thought, I mean, Rose were really cool at, at making beautiful objects as oh, well yes. as beautiful, you know, containing beautiful things. And I, I read... Antilia's book and A to Z of Possible Worlds, which was amazing. Oh, it's one of my God, favorite that's collections. An extraordinary book, yeah. isn't it? That's absolutely uh, but that was, got that one. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? But but they were uh, twenty six stories yeah. individually bound, and you bought it in a box, which was beautiful. And we thought, yeah. well, you know, the, these are all about the length of the song. Let's package it as a CD. Cynically, mm. it stands out a bit more on a bookshelf because it, it looks <laughs> you know, it looks different. But yeah, that, that's that was. I love that book. I'm I'm really proud of that one still. And I, in all the you know all the readings I do, all the workshops, all the teachings, I think not so perfect is still the one that I probably use the most, which is interesting. Not to say that the you know that I'm I'm not pleased with how everything else turned out, but I do. I like that book. That was possibly when I felt like a proper writer because that was for grown ups and it was an actual book and all that kind of stuff. And it was the first time. I'd had anything collected. And I think, as you'll know, as somebody that writes short stuff as well, that's no no mean feat, is it? Because, mm. you know, novels sell more than short story collections, which sell more than, you know, flash fiction collections. So that that was, I think, the first time I felt properly like a, I wouldn't say that I'd made it, but um, like a proper writer. Yeah, no, I totally understand that. Yeah. So... You followed that up with beautiful words and then beautiful trees. The, the, we did. We had freaks in the middle, though. We had freaks. Oh, sorry about. Um, I forgot freaks. Yeah. Yes. Tell me about freaks. Yeah. That, that was novel, freaks. Wasn't it? Freaks is cool. Freak. I like freaks again. We. Um. I wrote that with Caroline Smales, who's mm. a terrific novelist, and we had an idea that it started off as fun, and I think that's probably what most things, most writing mm. should start out as you know, writing should be a fun thing until you get to the, the hard bit of edits and rewrites of writing something. We challenged ourselves basically to write about people with unusual superpowers or superpowers that they didn't really want. Um, <laughs> and we, we go about week by week, you know, sending each other the trickiest superpowers we could think of. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And that was great. It was a really, that was a really fun writing experience. I like, I love collaborating. I, I, I mean, any book's a collaboration anyway between publishers or agents or illustrators and typesetters and all, all, mm. all those brilliant people. But yeah, I like that energy that it that it created um, and having fun with it. And it's an I think it's an interesting book. Yeah, the, the stories in there that I'm really, really proud of. And again, it, it's that it goes back to that idea of just wanting to do something a little bit different. You know, mm. talking about something familiar in, in unfamiliar ways, which, you know, is what I think I've probably based my my whole writing career on, you know, doing something <laughs> a little bit weird or a bit different. But yeah, that that was good. 
And that that was that was a really cool experience. And we got Darren Craskin, who who is a comic book illustrator. Yeah. So mm. all of those were, were illustrated nice. really, really, yeah. you know, in a really fun way. Um, mm. Yeah, and then we did, then we did. Sorry, then I did beautiful a book of beautiful words and and beautiful trees, which was again that was fun. Beautiful words was I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, we think John Classen's books are hard to describe. I remember Scott <laughs> Pack, who published me with Freaks at the Friday Project yeah. at Harper Collins, was saying, "Well, like, I don't, I think it's like an art installation inside a picture book for adults, and it's it's two or three people's stories." through their favorite words and what they mean or how they sound or how they feel in your mouth to say and I love that because that that was going back to that journalistic thing of researching things and just finding stuff out so that was good and then I did it yeah I followed that up with beautiful trees which continues that that uh three-part relationship but through people's significant trees the most significant nice. trees in people's life which isn't something that I think most people think of. <laughs> no, but I, I, I can see it working. Though. I can, I can, yeah. It was, it was fun. Again, beautifully yeah. illustrated. Uh, thank you, Miranda. It's an offer for doing that. And it's not, you know, I don't often get the chance to look back and, and you know, at the stuff I've done and kind of analyze it or, or question why I wrote it. And I don't think there's ever an answer to, to to why we write things other than we feel compelled to, or mm. it sounds fun. And I think, yeah, they're, they're both as valid as, as each other, aren't they? Is that something that you find with you, your own, the idea, germination process, when that changes into, when that shifts into actually writing something? Uh, yeah, I mean... I generally have no idea why I write one particular thing or why a particular <laughs> one particular character strays into it and takes over and and, and that sort of thing. And it's, you, you don't have as much I, as much control as you think, as, yeah. as you might think, do you? Yeah, I think that's a good sign. You're doing that Victor Frankenstein thing, aren't you? You're putting things together. <laughs> It's what's, yes. <laughs> what, what's this thing gonna do next? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, he's playing a flute. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that to me is, is the most fascinating thing about writing is, is you start. I mean, I, 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 I never, do, I mean, do you, do you plot things? I never plot, no, things. no, I'm, I'm you just, just start, start, start writing and see what happens. Yeah, and, I think, I think the intelligence does it. It is. I think the intelligent way of, of answering that question that I've developed over this past whatever it is years is, I I write to answer the question I don't realise I've asked. Um, well, that's good. I, th I like that. I think yeah, but I think what you said is probably truer that you just don't <laughs> know, and it's fun. And I think that journey, just finding out what's going to happen and being surprised, mm. that's that's where the buzz comes from, isn't it? Yeah, and my, my feeling always is that if you don't know what's going to happen then yeah. the reader isn't going to know either. They, yeah, they're and, not going to know uh, either. And that <clears throat> that's that's part of that. makes it more that, exciting. Yeah, but but do you get that thing where when you've almost finished it, where it almost makes sense, that it kind of feels nauseating? And you kind of, you're that close to it, but you feel sort of sick that you might miss it? Or is that just me? <laughs> <laughs> I think I know what you're saying. Yeah, <clears throat> you, you could be right. Yeah, I think so. I've almost caught something. I think almost yeah. got there, and that yeah. maybe it's a fear of not getting it, of you know not catching that butterfly without 
damaging its wings, maybe, mm. is, yeah, is, is terrifying. I don't know. I don't, but that, do you know what? That, that's how I know my, my internal sort of quality barometer. I think that's how I know if I've written something that will be good when there is mm. that fear of, 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 of getting it wrong or of, yeah, or of missing my own point with it. I mean, I, I've had things where I, I need I need something to happen in order to for, for I suppose I, I suppose I'm thinking about the I remember when I was sending out my the first one of my current series, the truth about Archie Empire, mm-hmm. sending that out, out to people, and one of and I, I, I had trouble coming up with a an ending that had any sort of impact, had any sort of yeah. That people might think, oh, that was why I was all about. Oh, no. Okay, and <laughs> one 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 agent who rejected it said um, said amongst the things that they didn't like was the denouement. Denouement was it just wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't good enough. Right. Oh, so so what? So that sort of did you agree with it? Well, yes, uh, it was ah. completely right. It's completely right. So I thought about it and suddenly realised, oh gosh. We could do that instead, right? And that made a lot more psychological sense. And yeah, it, it, it often happens that that if if you have something that isn't quite working, then you sort of you, you just put it to one side, and your brain will 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 untangle it and come up with with something that yeah. works better. Yeah, it does the work for you, doesn't it? And yeah. that's but that's the tricky bit, isn't it? When you're invested in something and you're enjoying writing it. Or you feel sick about getting it wrong. Mm. I think we're conditioned to have that kind of hard work ethic and work and work and work until you find that solution. So there's a real kind of departure. It feels like you're ripping yourself away from it to go, I know in the long run it will be better mm. for, for, for both of us sort of thing. If you, <laughs> if you have this time apart, <laughs> we were on a break. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then coming back to it you know, with, with objective eyes rather than, you know, emotional, passionate, riding that lovely wave, you know, surfing that wave of, oh, I don't know what you call it, discovery, you know, narrative discovery yeah. or something. But you, yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you come back to something and you see it for what it is. And sometimes that's not pleasant. Sometimes it's like, <laughs> Jesus, I, I missed that completely. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I suppose that that also goes for for when you get reviewed, you know, when you put it out there and somebody else reads it who doesn't know you, who makes mm. those connections. And that's interesting. Whenever I finish a book on my Kindle, it takes me to Goodreads because, you know, I'll rate it because I want to do everybody a favour and, and say if I've enjoyed something. And then I always go to the one-star comments of, <laughs> of ones <laughs> that I've, I really like. <laughs> when you get through that thing of the book was dreadful because it didn't come on time or the... <laughs> the <laughs> you know you get to people that have had this completely different experience of reading it mm. and they've drawn completely different conclusions to to the ones that, that you drew none of them wrong you know because it it's down to our own individual interpretations isn't it but i find yeah. that fascinating and i had one with i think it was the not so perfect that it was reviewed in i think it was flash magazine the university of chester which is a great great uh flash fiction and somebody whoever reviewed it made this connection that made me sound really clever and i was like i didn't i did not mean to do that but i'll take it so whenever, whenever i yeah, talk about the th- it now but the thing is your subconscious might be making that connection exactly i will yeah. i'll give chops to my subconscious it's cleverer than i am 
Um, but I, I love that. It was like, you know, pairing expertly, you know, I don't know, use this as an extended metaphor for, for I don't know how people view women having babies, I think it was. And it was like, wow, that is clever. I, I will take that. Thank you very much, University of Chester. Flash Fiction Magazine. I am. I'm not, I'm not going to deny my genius. Just, just no, my certainly not. It. God, take, take um, everything but, that is offered, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's still one of my favorite experiences but I, th- I think you you learn to to kind of ride that don't you and and conversely it, it might just not hit and people just might not get it and um you know I suppose that's that's the thing that we're always battling against isn't it or battling to free ourselves of the worry about because I always used to say if somebody didn't like my work which you know people are to do it's fine because I didn't write it for them yeah, you know, hopefully there's, there's enough of the, the ones in the other camp that that makes it worthwhile. Mm. <laughs> All three of them. <laughs> yeah. So, so what's what do you what are you working on next then? What's the next? Um, what's the I've got plan? a few ideas. I'm I'm at that nice germination phase, which I've been at for the past mm. few months. I think, like you were saying before with comedy, that the best stuff comes when when things clash, and I know what I want to write. And I've made notes on it. I've actually written the first couple of chapters, but I don't quite know what it is yet because I've not had that that external, unexpected bit, you know, come in that that's going to provide the momentum for it. But I'm excited by it. I've got. I mean, I, I'm sure you're you're similar. There's always like three or four things that you're about to write or that you're going to write when you get time to, or you know, when that that point <clears throat> hits. And I think what I've learned over you know this 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 career which is it's long now you know looking back at it without mm. sounding arrogant i've been doing it for bloody ages <laughs> is that i think you carry things around with you until it's the right time to write them mm. and it's that point or that external factor or whatever that, that might be happening in, in your own life that is the catalyst that, that really sets it bubbling i was watching last last night i was just finishing the proofs of of this of, of ghost reader and i was watching a little soundbite from quentin tarantino I think it's a, a, a genius writer, you know, in terms of mm. tension and comedy and things like that in really strange situations. And, yes. you know, he was saying often I, I carry ideas around with me, you know, for five or six years, that isn't uncommon. And even if I've started writing them, you know, at that point where, where I feel I'm ready, whatever's happening in my life now will find its way in. And that's what gives it its believability or its human touch. So <laughs> you could be writing a story set in World War II I don't know, people are going to go and I don't know, blow up some, I don't know, uh, ammunitions depot or something like that. But if I've just fallen out with my girlfriend, mm. who I thought was you know going to be the love of my life, that will find its way in. And yes, if you're writing about characters, you are writing about individuals. They aren't just yeah. two-dimensional soldiers or SAS going in to, to blow something. They carry their own shit with them, don't they? They yeah. will be carrying that argument they had with their girlfriend or the wife or whatever it is before they left. They will be carrying that thing of you know being really pissed off that they've they've lost their favorite pen, and I think when you bring those little bits into something wider, that's where the magic is. And, yeah, and I, mean, I think learning to be patient with that and trusting that it'll come when it when it when it's supposed to is a big part of it. Mm. That's that's a really interesting observation, and it is a very ter- very Tarantino thing, isn't it? Yeah. Oh God, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I remember there's a, one of the funniest things that I've. I've seen, uh, I used to be able to extend this, this comedy thing. 
was Chuck Baholnik, you know, the guy that wrote Fight Club and all and Choke and yeah. all these really, really smart mm. books. It is still one of the funniest things that I've seen in terms of somebody talking about the, the craft of writing. And he, he's in this, he's in this room and it looks like a university on like an MFA program in America. And he's sitting on the desk, cross-legged, like lotus pose, all Zen-like. Uh, and he talks really softly. He's got a really nice way of speaking. And w- one of the students asks him how he deals with writer's block. And he takes the moment and he takes a few breaths. And he says, well, can I ask you something? And they're all like, they're leaning closer. And, the, you know, you can see their ears are pricked and their eyes are wide. And he's like, do you ever go to the bathroom? <laughs> you don't need to go. <laughs> and there's a brilliant bit where there's there's I don't know a few seconds where it it sort of hangs in the air until people get it and they're like well of course we don't it's like, well, exactly so if you've not got anything that you're terrified of losing or that you have to push out then <laughs> don't do it you know you will hurt yourself if, you, if you're straining to write this thing go out, go for a walk, get inspiration, find something else, see something else, experience something else that will inform what you're writing, but don't push, you know? And I I think, like I said, I've said a couple of times already that that, the the idea of being patient is probably worth its weight in in something very expensive. So yeah, I I think that if anybody's listening that, that, that wants tips, don't be in a hurry. You know, there's and like I said before, nobody's waiting for anything from you from you know for most of the time. <laughs> take take your time, get yeah. it right. Don't rush mm. it just to say you've 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 done it. Yeah, that's what I think. I think about that. I don't know, I'll change my mind tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, it's probably a good place to uh, uh finish. So that sounds thank brilliant. Thank you. So thank thank you very much indeed for coming along. It's been really good. It's and been thank a pleasure. You. Thanks and so thank much. You, th- and thank you so much for introducing me to John Classen. Uh, You're very well. I shall definitely sneak up more of his stuff. It's great. It's worth it that they are all as good as each other. And I'm a big believer in that. Share good mm. stuff. Get people, yeah, Absolutely. get people into stuff Absolutely. that you like. It's yeah. There's always room for good stuff. Yeah. Right. Well, this place is intended to be free from adverts, as if anyone would pay to advertise here anyway. But if you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to reward us by buying our books. Nick is on Twitter as Nick Perring. That's N I K Perring. And his website is at nickperring.com. I'm on Twitter as John Pinnock, and my website is at jonathanpinnock.com. This podcast now has its own Twitter account as litbuttpod, and DMs are open. Or email me on litbuttpod at gmail.com. And do please rate, review, and subscribe so that other people can find out about all the fascinating stuff here. You'll find this podcast in all the usual places. And next time, I'll be talking to Beano writer Andy Fanton about Roald Dahl's George's Marvelous Medicine. See you then. (laughs) And I've just realised that I completely forgot to mention that you can now buy any of the books that are the subject of this podcast, along with books by my guests and even books that I've written myself from ukbookshop.org slash litbutpod.